0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV Podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again,
1: thanks for joining us today. One of my favorite verses of scripture in all of the Old Testament is in Psalm chapter 25. And this verse is one that I often pray over my life. It's one that I pray over my family. And it's one that I pray for you, my church family. Psalm 25, verse four. Look at it with me. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Paths. Here's what I love so much about this verse. I love the desperate cry of the psalmist here. And his cry is simple Lord, I want to know your path. I want to know your heart. I want to know your perspective. I want to know your will. And I would imagine across this room, because you're at a church service or you're watching a service online that that would be your desire, that to some level you desire to know the paths and the heart and the perspective and the will of God. I want to share with you today that in order for that to take place, if you and I really want to experience Psalm chapter 25, verse four, something is required. To experience Psalm 25 verse 4 requires hearing God's voice. You can think about it this way. Discerning God's will demands hearing his voice. If we want to know the paths of God, the ways of God, the will of God, we must hear from God. One of the most amazing realities of the gospel is that God speaks to people. And there are thousands of sermons and books and articles that have been put together regarding hearing from God. But for a few moments today, I want us to look at the very words of Jesus in John chapter 10 and what he says about hearing from God. So if you have a Bible today, would you look with me in the Gospel of John chapter 10, the fourth book in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. And before we read a couple of verses out of this chapter, I wanna give you a little bit of insight into into what is taking place. In John chapter 10, Jesus is going to share a metaphor. He's going to give a word picture to describe one of his attributes or what he is like. In John chapter 10, Jesus is going to share that he is the good shepherd. He wants to communicate that he guides his people. He protects his people. He provides for his people. So that's the big picture of what's going on in John chapter 10. But leading up to this chapter of scripture... Jesus has had a couple of intense moments of ministry. He has just engaged with the religious leaders who actually rejected him as the Messiah. And so there were some heated dialogue between Jesus and this group of religious leaders. He has also just performed a miraculous healing of a man who was born blind. And so as we jump in here in John chapter 10, Both of those situations are carrying right into this chapter. So, as he shares what we're about to read, all of the religious leaders are still present. The man who's just been healed of blindness, he is still present. And all the crowds who surrounded those two situations, they are present as well as Jesus' disciples. And so with that picture in mind about what is taking place in this chapter of Scripture, I want to read John chapter 10, verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Amen. Now it's important contextually to know that in the nation of Israel, the title of shepherd was used frequently. Those who led and those who ruled in the nation of Israel were given the title shepherd of Israel. And the religious leaders who were present as Jesus shared these words, they would have had the title shepherd of Israel. But it's important to understand that their reputation was not a good one. Their behavior and their attitude communicated selfishness. Actually, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, we see a reference specifically to the reputation of the shepherds of Israel. Look at what Ezekiel wrote. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves should not shepherds feed the sheep Israel Ezekiel is in essence saying here you call yourself shepherds but really it's all about you so put that into the context of what Jesus has just shared in John chapter 10 verse 11 For him to stand before these shepherds of Israel who have a reputation of selfishness and it being all about them. Jesus says to them directly, I am the good shepherd. And here's my posture before my followers. I lay down my life for my sheep. So you see, John chapter 10, verse 11, is not just a verse that should bring us comfort. It's a verse that should bring us clarity about the attitude of Jesus Christ. He stands before this crowd and basically says, I am not just another shepherd. I am the shepherd. I am supreme among all other shepherds. And there is no one else who's at my level. So he establishes this word picture of being the good shepherd. And then I want you to look with me in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is continuing with this metaphor that he is the good shepherd and his people are the sheep. And here's what he says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow Me. Very quickly, I want to share with you out of John chapter 10, verse 27, three characteristics about God's people. If you are a follower of Jesus today, these are characteristics that are to be true of us. Here's the first one. God's people know him. God's people know him. In the middle of verse 27, Jesus said, I know them. The word know here implies a personal relationship. And that teaches us that what sets God's people apart is not religion. It is not spiritual terminology. It is not moral behavior. What defines God's people is an intimate, personal relationship with him. I love that Jesus did not just say, I have some sheep who know about me. He says, I know them. So here's the encouraging news. We, as the people of God, have a personal relationship with God. And he has a relationship with us. And that relationship is both personal and permanent. I know every weekend when we gather for worship, there are people here who are just checking out church. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you saw us as you were driving down the street. And I want you to know today, if you're here asking, what is this whole thing called Christianity really all about? I want you to hear me say right now in this service, this whole thing is about a personal intimate love relationship with God. The reason we worship with passion, we pray with desperation, is because we have been set free by the power of God and we know his joy and his life and his peace. And ultimately as a church, that's what we desire for you. We desire for you, even today, to know what it means to have a relationship with God. So that's the first characteristic in this verse about the people of God. They know him. Here's number two. God's people know his voice. God's people know his voice. Jesus begins verse 27 by saying, my sheep hear my voice. The word hear in this verse means to lean in with attention. It means to listen closely. And there's a powerful illustration in the context of the first century about what it means to hear the shepherd's voice. In the first century, a single sheep pen held multiple flocks of sheep. So it was essential for the sheep to know and recognize their own shepherd's voice. There had to be an unmistakable familiarity between the sheep and the shepherd for the sheep to know which voice to follow. I love that. For us as God's people, there should be an unmistakable familiarity with our shepherd's voice. God's people are familiar with his Voice. In his classic book, Hearing God, Dallas Willard made this statement. People, meaning you and I, are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. As the people of God, we should know the good shepherd's voice. Here's a third and final characteristic out of John 10 27 God's people trust and follow what he says Jesus concludes verse 27 by saying they follow me to follow means to keep commands with a believing loving heart so Jesus says to this crowd who's listening into his teaching those who follow me They do what I say with a believing, loving heart. And once again, contextually, there is a powerful illustration here about the shepherd and the sheep. The biblical shepherd knew everything about his sheep. He knew what foods were best. He knew what would harm them. He knew when they should eat and the best places for food and water. And if the sheep trusted and followed their shepherd, they would always have their needs met because the shepherd would always give them his very best. And I have to imagine that right now, there are people in this room or people who are watching our service online. And you know, even as I share today, that God is speaking to you may have been this week, may have been this past month, maybe it was last year, but you know in your heart of hearts that God has spoken to you, yet for some reason, there's a hesitation to trust and follow, and I believe there's potential that God brought you to this service today to remind you that he is your shepherd. And if he is speaking to you about a decision in your life, about something that is going on, about something that has you down and out, I want you to know if he's speaking to you, you can trust and follow because your good shepherd will always give you his very best. Amen? I share this today as a biblical foundation because I want to, share a little bit of just my personal journey with you. For 21 years as a church family, we have led with transparent leadership. And for some time now, my wife and I have been on a journey of seeking to hear the voice of God. So I wanna take a few moments now and I wanna share that with you. I wanna take you back to December the 2nd, 2021. That was a Thursday and I was gathered in a room here on campus with our pastoral team. And we had gathered that day to pray together because that evening we were going to be sharing with you, our church family, about a transition for Pastor Vance and Christy as Vance was going to be transitioning from our senior pastor to our founding pastor. And as our pastoral team was gathered in that room that day, there was a little bit of a feeling of What's, what's about to happen? And I remember two very distinct thoughts in my mind as we gathered to pray that day. The first thought was, I must lead and shepherd well through this transition that we're about to walk through because it's the most significant transition we've ever walked through as a church family. I believe that this work called Hope Church is precious. This move of God called Hope Church is special. And in that moment, I felt the weight of responsibility to lead well through the days ahead. And in my mind, failure was not an option. We were going to figure this out and we were going to lead Hope Church into the future. The second clear thought in my mind that day was this. Hope Church has always risen to the occasion during critical moments and made me proud to call this my church family. It doesn't matter if it's been tragedy or opportunity. This fellowship has always responded in such a way that has left me overwhelmed with gratitude and joy and thankful to call this my church home. So we prayed together that afternoon. And then that evening, Vance and I sat on this stage and shared some things that God was doing in his life and in the life of his family. And as I shared that night, one of the things that I said was this. I actually pulled it from my notes from that service. I said, I feel a responsibility to see our church walk through this leadership transition and on the other side, experience the bright future God has for us. And even as I shared that that evening, I knew there was much to be discussed about what that bright future was going to look like. And so we continued to navigate over the next few weeks and The response from you, our church family, was incredible. And there were several themes that I remember during those next few weeks of December. I remember hearing from a lot of you and you saying, we feel secure despite being in transition. I remember multiple people saying to me, I am so thankful that we do not have to go outside of our church in order to find our new leader. And I remember many people through email and text message and phone calls saying, thank you for being transparent about what is taking place. And then over the next few months with the team that we had in place, we began to lead. And you as a church family continue to respond incredibly. Our staff team here at HOPE was unbelievable. I can't tell you how many conversations with staff members I had who simply said, whatever you need, put me in coach. In whatever way I can serve this church, in whatever way we can help move the mission forward, I'm in, just share with me what you need. And I also remember in those first few months of 2022 that there was no identity crisis here. We know who we are. We know what God has called us to. Our DNA, our values, and our mission has continued to remain the same throughout this year. But as we began to walk out the plan, I walked through a period of just personal evaluation. I had multiple people in my life come to me and say, Travis, I hear what you sense about the immediate with this transition what do you sense long-term in terms of your leadership at Hope? And from the moment I heard it one time to every single time I heard it, that question just lingered in my soul. And So I, because of the way I'm wired, designed a process of really discovery. And so I needed clarity in that moment, which meant I needed to hear the voice of God. So I began to do a couple things. I first off began to seek some counsel and I began to ask some questions. I reached out to multiple people who live in different parts of the country because I I did not want someone who was emotionally connected here. So I reached out to several great friends who really pastored me through this process and I began to ask some questions. Questions like, How do I maximize my contribution to God's kingdom? Just like you, I have one life. And God has given me a set of skills to maximize for the sake of his gospel and his glory among the peoples of the earth. Also ask the question, what are the desires the Lord has placed in my heart? One of the men that I reached out to, he said to me, Travis, you've been in the second chair for 10 years now, meaning the role of executive pastor. And what can often happen is you always do what you need to do, ought to do, and should do. But I'm challenging you to wrestle through what are the desires God has placed in your heart. Another question was, I know I am the right and best person to lead Hope Church during this transition but am I supposed to lead Hope Church long term? So I'm seeking counsel. I'm wrestling with these questions. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of long walks, just talking to the Lord. And then I went to my wife, Shar, and I said, we need to enter into a season of reading scripture, talking to the Lord, and talking to one another. And at that point in my God time, I was reading through the book of Psalms and the book of 1 Chronicles. And I knew that if God was going to speak to me through his word, it would be in the normal rhythm of my devotional life. Now, I did have the thought of, God, can you really speak to someone from First Chronicles? <laughs> Should I not maybe flex over to the New Testament? <laughs> but I decided, no, Lord, if you're going to speak to me, you're going to do it through the book of Psalms and through where I am in First Chronicles. And over the next several weeks and months, God began to speak to me from the book of Psalms and from several moments in the life of David recorded in first Chronicles chapters 12 through 23. We don't have time today for me to walk through all the specifics of that journey, but I do want to share just a couple of key moments for me in that process. The first way that I really sensed the Lord was speaking to me is God began to give me a deeper burden for the big C church. Obviously, Hope Church is one local church, but there is a global church that God is working through and working in. One day in my time with God, I read Psalm 35, verse 18, which says, I will give thanks to you In the great assembly among throngs, which is a word that means many tribes or multitudes, I will praise you. So the phrases great assembly and throngs of people were stirring in my heart. I move over to read in 1 Chronicles and I'm in chapter 12 and I read this verse. From day to day, men came to help to David to help him. Until there was a great army, like an army of God. So just in my soul from the scriptures, great assembly, throngs of people, great army, army of God. And I found my passion intensify to see leaders be raised up to prepare for the mission. Last summer when I was on vacation, I read the book Halftime by Bob Buford. If you are at any milestone in your journey, I would encourage you to read that book. I read it in light of turning 40 years old in just a few months this December. Maybe you're at a milestone of retirement or just a crossroads with your career. I would encourage you to read that book. The resource was key for me. And out of that book, I identified nine things that I desire to be a part of my second half of life, if you will. And on that list, I had written down that I desire to develop ministry leaders across the country and I desire to connect financial resources with life changing ministry. So all those things are just in my heart related to a deeper passion for the Big sea Church. Another defining moment for me, I was actually sitting at Mothership Coffee on St. Rose Parkway. And I'm reading in 1 Chronicles chapter 23 where David is structuring Israel's leadership for maximum effectiveness. So I'm reading through that chapter and the Bible I was reading actually had a commentary section. And as I begin to read the commentary section, here is what I read. David managed Israel's leaders for optimum effectiveness and service to the Lord. This is similar to how Jesus loves his church. He assigns various gifts as needed for the good of the body of Christ, just as national changes in the era of King David called for adjustments in the use of leaders, so Christ manages the church's changing needs. So just in my devotional life, I've got this theme of leaders and armies, and I've got this theme here in First Chronicles 23 of adjustments and appointing new leadership. And it was at that moment that God began to open up my heart to the potential of a new role in ministry. So I went to my wife, Shar and I said, Shar, here's what I'm feeling. And we had actually spent a weekend just seeking the Lord, having some time of solitude just to pray. And on a Sunday night, uh, we were together just talking up in our room. And I said, Shar, here's the things that God's just put inside of me. She said, let me tell you what I just read. And she proceeded to share with me from Deuteronomy chapter one where Moses was appointing leaders in the nation of Israel to allow for optimum effectiveness. And it was as if by the grace of God, the same thing that had been stirring in my heart was also coming before her by way of a theme in Deuteronomy chapter one. And she shared, I think God may be opening us up to something new. And it was at that moment that God gave both of us peace that the role I was given here in December of 2021 of senior lead pastor was not a long-term role. It was only for this season of transition. Now, obviously one of the people that I sought counsel from during this whole process was pastor Vance. And he had a message for me that was singular and consistent. And it was this, you must hear from God. He shared with me that if God calls you long term to lead Hope Church, you will not have a greater supporter than me. But you must hear from him. And Vance and I had had many conversations about me being involved with Send Network from the seat that I have here hope. But when I shared with him that I did not sense a call to be the senior leader beyond the transition, it changed the conversations and the possibilities regarding how Shar and I can be involved with Sin Network. So after questions and counsel and scripture and prayer, here is where we are. This weekend, I want to share with you, my church family, that as my family seeks to follow God's voice, after 17 years at Hope Church, my family is moving into a new season of ministry leadership. I have accepted the role of executive vice president of Sin Network, serving alongside Pastor Vance, where I will be serving thousands of churches as they seek to plant churches in North America and beyond. Mm. Mm. Thank you for that. that. That means more than you know. When I moved to Las Vegas in 2005, I was 23 years old, and I did so believing that God was leading me here and that there was potential for this church called Hope Church to impact the world. And 17 years later, that's exactly what has transpired. This weekend alone, there will be thousands of people on campus who are being impacted by what God is doing through Hope Church. We're engaging our city. We're planting churches in the West. We're touching nations with the gospel. And as I take this step back out of my role here at Hope Church, I move to Sin Network with the same belief I had in 2005, that God is leading me there. And there is potential for this family of churches called Sin Network to see something happen that will literally impact nations for the glory of God. Before we talk a few moments today about the future, because that's probably in your mind, there's a couple things that I just want to share from my heart to you. Most people would agree that pastors shape churches. Through their preaching, through their wisdom, through their leadership, pastors shape churches. But I want you to also know that churches shape pastors. I am who I am today because of your investment and your influence in my life. God has used this fellowship to shape my two greatest ministry passions, leadership and stewardship. And I believe God has called my family in this next season to focus on those two things. Finding and focusing leaders for the sake of the mission and stewarding resources and kingdom opportunities for maximum impact. And I want you to hear me say this today. Any fruit that is produced from my life moving forward And prayerfully, God is going to work through Sin Network to do incredible things. But any fruit that God allows through my life in the days ahead is your fruit because of your investment in me for 17 years. And I am incredibly grateful. I want to spend the remainder of our moments together talking about the future. Last October, when we began to put a plan together for what was going to be Vance's transition to a new seat on the Hope bus, we knew there were really three things that would probably happen in the future. One, I would become the long-term leader here at Hope. A second option is that someone from within would be raised up to lead Hope Church into the future. Or a third option was, we would need to go outside of our church to find a new long-term leader. We have some exciting news to share with you, but before I share it, I want you to hear a little bit from one of our lead pastors and one of our stewardship team members about the process we have walked through in order for me to make a very exciting announcement to you today. So watch this video.
2: We say this all the time, but before we are anything else, Hope Church is a family. We seek to always live this reality out in our fellowship. And the time of change we're entering is no different. We desire to walk through this time of leadership change with openness and transparency, because that's what families do. Before sharing with you today, our lead pastors and stewardship team have been in a process of seeking the Lord. For those who aren't aware, Hope Church is led by a plurality of lead pastors who walk together in Christ-like submission. To a stewardship team for accountability, wisdom, and counsel. The first part of our process was to walk beside Pastor Travis and his family on the journey of God's activity in their lives. As we did this, the entire lead pastoral team and stewardship team greatly affirmed God's call on Pastor Travis's life. Following that, I was asked to lead the process of identifying the next leader for Hope Church so as always our first priority as a lead team and stewardship team was to pray it was a true joy to see the leadership of the church focus solely on god and his glory and humble themselves in a posture of dependence on him as we began to pray and discuss god quickly led us to a place of agreement that he had already given hope church everything we need to move into the future. This meant we did not need to go outside Hope Church to find our next senior pastor. That realization led us into a time of examining scripture for whom we felt could become the next senior pastor of this church. Over time, God brought the 14 people that make up our lead team and stewardship team to a place of complete unity about who was to become the next leader. This was truly a powerful experience as God gave each team member peace and assurance about the person to lead us into the exciting future of Hope Church. We felt it was important for you to hear from one of our stewardship team members, John Myers, on behalf of that team. The
0: journey of seeking God's direction for our church was very humbling because of the gravity of the decision. This decision affects so many people and the weight of that was not lost on any of us. Based on scripture, we had a clear plan to seek the Lord in prayer. Our hope from the beginning was that God would bring us unity and give us the same mind about whom he was choosing to lead our church into the bright future God has for us. When the day arrived for us all of us to meet and discuss how God had spoken to us, I was amazed again that God, in his kindness and sovereignty, had given each man the same word about who will lead us as our next senior pastor. I'm here to tell you, Hope Church, God is in control. None of this has taken him by surprise, and I speak for our entire stewardship team in saying we're excited for the future of hope under our new leader, and for the ministry of expanding God's kingdom to Las Vegas, the West, and the world. Our lead team
2: of pastors and stewardship team came away with three major points of discernment from God. Ultimately, this change is about God's kingdom and not just Hope Church. Because our focus must be on God's kingdom beyond Hope Church, The lead pastoral team and stewardship team are excited about God's call upon Pastor Travis's life. God has not changed the mission of Hope, nor has he changed who we are. Any leadership transition he initiates is ultimately going to result in accomplishing his mission through Hope Church. Next, we must be unified in our decisions. There was no option except complete unity about the person to be our next senior pastor. It was either all 14 lead pastors and stewardship team members heard from God together and were united on a decision, or we kept praying until God did that. I'm here to tell you the lead pastors and stewardship team are united on this decision. Finally, God has provided all we need in our pastoral team, and so we don't need to look outside the church for our next leader. In fact, through our process of seeking the Lord and his will for our church, God placed on our hearts unanimously his choice for our next senior pastor at Hope Church. Throughout this process, a verse has been on my heart from the forefront, and that verse has been Psalm 85, 8. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. Church family, as we listen to the voice of God, we can trust that he is in control and he knows what's best.
1: The day that I made the decision to move forward and pursue the role with Sin Network, I wrote this in my journal. My role changing to join in the wave of God's kingdom through Sin Network will not result in a lessening of gospel impact for Hope Church. I wrote that and I believed it. I believe it even more in this moment. Because after walking through a process with our lead team and our stewardship team, it is my great joy to share with you today that the next senior pastor of Hope Church is going to be Pastor Scott Worthington. (laughs) That has been the response in every service, but you guys were by far the loudest. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. I want to share very quickly a few reasons why I believe this is the right man to lead this fellowship forward. I've had the privilege for the past 15 years of walking in step with Pastor Scott. And as I've reflected on that period of time, there's a couple of things about him that I just want to share with you. I trust Pastor Scott knows and follows Jesus. I've watched him for more than a decade seek the Lord, hear the voice of the Lord, and walk with the Lord. I trust. Pastor Scott's example as a husband and father. If a man cannot lead his house well, he should not lead God's house. We have a leader in Pastor Scott who leads his home well. I trust Pastor Scott is called, qualified, and gifted for ministry. I trust what has been invested in Pastor Scott is what we desire to see reproduced in our church. Scott is a product of this ministry. If you cut him, he will bleed, abide, connect, and share. I trust Pastor Scott's instincts as a leader. I believe he will always do what is best for this fellowship and what is best for God's kingdom. And then finally, I trust our church will continue to follow Pastor Scott. I believe our church is following him and our church will continue to follow him. So we will continue to be led by a team of pastors and Pastor Scott will be our new leader on that team. And I am excited as my family and I remain in this church that Pastor Scott is going to be my pastor. Amen. I want to share just a few things and then we're going to pray together and we're going to sing another song of worship. I want to encourage you to make it a priority to be back here over the next two weekends. Next weekend, Pastor Vance will be here to preach Pastor Scott's, amen. Vance will be here to preach Pastor Scott's installation service as our new senior pastor. And then the next week, the the next weekend, the last weekend of August, Pastor Scott will preach his first sermon as our new senior pastor. So these are going to be special weeks in the life of our church. And I I ask you today, would you make it a priority to be here? Obviously, what we're sharing today raises questions. And so in preparation for some of your questions, we've created an FAQ that you can get on our website or on our app. But more importantly, if you will be here over the next few weekends, we're going to bring some clarity to what we're walking through with this change in leadership, I know this is a different type of sermon. This is a different type of service. But I do believe it's important as a church family that we end our time by seeking God together. So I want to pray for us, and then following that, we're going to sing a song together. I want to ask our pastors, if you would, to go ahead and come forward. The song we're going to sing in just a moment is the song Same God. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is a good word for us as a church family. This work of God here is precious. and We want to continue to join in the activity of God as a fellowship. So I'd encourage some of you as you feel led during this song of response, maybe you want to come and just kneel and you want to pray for our church. Or maybe you're here today and you want someone to pray for you. That's why our pastors are here. Maybe there's something in your marriage or in your health or in your finances and you would just love someone to pray for you today. That's what these moments are for, for us to pray together, to seek the Lord together and to worship him through a great, great song. So I wanna pray for us and then we're gonna sing together. Lord, thank you for this fellowship. Lord, thank you that once again in a critical moment, the response of this church has left me grateful and joyful. God, I'm so excited for the days ahead that I get to continue to be a part of this incredible faith family. Lord, I pray that in these moments, you would allow us to seek you. Lord, to cry out on behalf of this fellowship and the future. But Lord, I also pray for those today who are just hurting. And Lord, I pray they would with courage, step out and allow our pastoral team just to come around them today and intercede on their behalf. God, be honored during this time as we respond to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let me invite you to stand up as we worship together.